0: Politics, sports, sports, movies, you are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show and thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking the show out. If you're a return listener, thanks for coming back and continuing to listen. The show is available on the following podcasting apps, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. If you listen to the podcast using one of these apps, please click subscribe, and this will allow you to receive notifications when new episodes are uploaded. This podcast covers three different subjects, sports, movies, and politics. Each episode is dedicated to one of these topics. You can follow the show on social media. The handle for Twitter is at bendyourearpod. This is also the handle for Instagram. If you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. If you're not using a podcasting app to listen to the show, you can always get episodes directly from the website, which is www.letmebendyourear.com. I'm going to talk about today the shrinking window between theatrical release and video on demand. Now, with the ongoing pandemic, this has become a front page issue in the respect of an issue that the entertainment industry has been grappling with before the coronavirus hit the world. So a little backdrop before the virus uh, struck the United States, there has been a ongoing debate between movie companies and theater owners regarding the day and date release of theatrical films and the window that it has between the release in theaters and the release to streaming services. So the movie companies have kind of taken baby steps in shrinking that window or certain smaller films uh, releasing on both theaters and video on demand. So basically, if you're not aware of what video on demand is, is uh, a movie is released directly to streaming and you pay a fee to watch it. A lot of times it's going to be higher than the, traditional rental so a rental normally depending on where you get it whether it's through your cable provider on demand or amazon prime or voodoo or wherever you would get it from it's usually between $4.99 and $6.99 I think is the average price depending on the movie whereas video on demand you would pay uh, a premium price so kind of similar to a movie ticket uh, to see the movie in a rental window so in most cases you get to rent the movie for that price for 48 hours and then you don't own it, so you don't own the digital rights. And then it uh, is basically a online rental, which many people use just regularly on demand. So this has been an ongoing battle because obviously the theater owners are concerned that with the shrinking window between theatrical release and video on demand, it's going to disincentivize people from going to the movies. So obviously it's kind of the same situation that I've kind of remarked about in sports where the nfl which is still the king of all sports has seen a decline in stadium attendance all across the board which is why a couple of years ago they uh got rid of their blackout rule so you can pretty much see any game on television if you hit a certain threshold and the games don't have to sell out anymore same thing with with movie attendance you know people have 70 inch 80 inch high definition tvs with expensive sound systems and blu-ray players and or streaming services so they've created to a certain degree a high quality experience of watching a movie at home now i'm one of those people that still believes that nothing beats seeing a movie on a big screen uh, with with an audience but uh, you can't deny the fact that the home viewing experience whether it's sporting events or movies has dramatically improved in the last 15 to 20 years so With the availability of video on demand the theater owners rightfully so i think are concerned that more and more people will choose to stay home and experience a film in their home theater as opposed to uh, going to the movie theaters so with the onset of the pandemic obviously as we all know all movie theaters basically shut down within a week or two of the uh, national shutdown so we're talking about mid-march to end of march uh, by the end of March for sure, beginning of April, all the theaters were closed. So Universal has been kind of leading the charge on video on demand, and we're going to bring up Trolls World Tour because it's an interesting uh, example. So obviously trolls World tour is the sequel to the successful uh, trolls film, you know stars Anna. Kendrick, Justin Timberlake, James Corden, and a bunch of other voice talent that uh, made up the first movie. So the second movie, of course, was on the cusp of being released into the theaters when the virus shut everything down. So Universal made a decision that has caused uh, quite a bit of controversy and then commented after the fact. I'll get into that in a moment, but they made the decision to release Trolls on video, on demand, Completely bypassing the theater uh, um, release. So, what you've seen, if you follow movies, a lot of big movies were set to open in the next couple of months, or actually within the, within the next couple of months before and after uh, when I'm recording this podcast, which is in the beginning of May. So, films that have been pushed back are uh, Mulan from Disney, uh, the James Bond movie, which is going to be the final Daniel Craig movie that was pushed back. Uh, there's been several huge movies that have been pushed back uh, into either later this year or even next year. Uh, the new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenant, was pushed back, I believe, to July. I think there's going to be a decision coming in the next few weeks whether that's going to stay at a July release or they're going to push that back. Uh, Fast and the Furious was pushed back. Mission Impossible 7, which was under production, was actually shut down. So, of course, the other byproduct of the virus is pretty much Hollywood is one of those industries. That has been completely shut down. Uh, that's resulted in obviously television series ending before their normal 22 episodes, if that's what they were uh, film. So obviously a lot of seasons ended early, and of course the the effect will bleed into next season. Obviously, as it appears that these were pretty certain that there's probably going to be a, del- a delay in the resumption of productions of television series and movies as well. So obviously there's a huge effect there uh, going forward. So back to Universal, they made a decision instead of pushing trolls back, they decided to release it video on demand. So at the time they, you know, felt that it would be something that would be good for families to watch and and something at home. You know, we had been in several weeks into the to the lockdown. When they made this announcement. So I think the announcement was met with a lot of happiness from parents of kids. uh, That have had uh, to be stuck in the house. And something of a relief. I mean I thought it was kind of cool. My son loved the first Troll movie. So I thought it would be nice to be able to see a video on demand. And then the film was released. And was hugely successful. And not surprisingly it's the most. It's made the most money ever on video on demand. So the price basically as I stated earlier was you would uh, rent it for $19.99, and that would give you access to the movie for 48 hours. So it was a rental, not a purchase. So it was hugely successful. It made over $100 million, the highest uh, grossing film on video on demand. So when you first hear it, you're like, hey, that's great. That's a good idea. You know, It gave something people some, some entertainment for people to watch uh, while they were stuck at home. But, of course, there were some ramifications that can down the road be... Uh, extremely extremely serious as it relates to the theater owner so when it was released on video on demand the movie companies really didn't say anything about it or excuse me the movie theater owners didn't say anybody, anything about it at the time because what really could they say universal was making a business decision uh to get, to get this out in the marketplace but as i stated when it was first announced that they were going to do that uh, there's really not much pushback as a theater owner you, you can really give even if you don't love the fact that they're doing that and bypassing the theaters completely at the end of the day it's good pr for universal and pushing back against providing entertainment for people stuck in a pandemic is probably not a good look for a movie studio even if they have a legitimate beef for that type of release so there was really nothing said by the movie studio uh, by the movie theater owners which to their credit was 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 probably a good thing But what triggered the current situation was Universal after the success of Trolls World Tour on the video-on-demand release. They basically made the statement that going forward, due to the success of Trolls World Tour, now they didn't say they were going to do this with every film. But they did say they're going to look at film by film, case by case basis, that they are going to, not maybe, that they are going to and are planning to release certain films in the theaters and on video on demand on the same day. So potentially any kind of movie would have a release, you know, most movies release on a Friday. So on that Friday of any movie being released, they would release certain films on video on demand the same day. Now, to the theater owners, this scenario is unacceptable, and I understand it. I understand that. That's basically the last haven of economic commerce that they can have is getting that protection of if we get a movie in July, we know that it's not going to hit streaming at least for six months or whatever the window is. I don't know what the exact contractual window is, but that's unacceptable to them. Now, I worked in the theater when I was a teenager, so we're talking 30-odd years ago. And if I remember the economics of it, and it may have changed, it's been a long time, this is usually the way it used to work. So when you release a movie into the theaters, the first few weeks, so let's say the first four weeks of a movie, all of the box office proceeds that that movie collects in the first four weeks, it basically works where, and I'm just throwing percentages, I don't have this based on data, but... The movie company would get 80% of, just to use as an example, 80% of the gross uh, monies that are coming on the ticket sales, not the concessions. Ticket sales would be 80% to the movie company, 20% to the theater. So the longer a movie is in theaters, the more advantageous it becomes to the theater owner. So basically, it's on a sliding scale. So let's say weeks one through four, it's 80, 20 in favor of the movie company. Then maybe weeks four through eight, it becomes 60-40 or 50-50 movie company theater. And then maybe weeks eight through 12, it becomes 60-40 in favor of the theater. So obviously any kind of large film like a Marvel movie or a tentpole picture or a sequel that's uh, destined to make a lot of money, Fast and Furious, uh, anything that's hugely successful, those movies have what uh, is called legs. So those movies benefit both the movie company on the front end of the release and then the theaters on the back end the longer the movie stays in the theaters and then of course it leaves theaters and then you have that window uh whatever it is four five six months whatever that contractual time is before it's released on dvd blu-ray and streaming for purchase and or rental so that's basically the business model that's been going on for you know probably 80 years so it's not anything new so obviously the release of Troll's World Tour and the success on video on demand is something that Universal is looking at and going, "Hey, we can keep most of the money. We don't have to share with anybody. This is a good deal for us." Which is true. As a business decision in the short term, it seems like it's viable. I was listening to a podcast with the filmmaker Kevin Smith and they were discussing the same issue and he actually brought up an excellent point, which is why I like to listen to his takes on the movie business, he is of the opinion that this is not going to be as big a deal as it's being made out to be because what Universal has done, while he understood that they, hey, good for them, they made the $100 million, But and it made me think about something even from my own personal buying experience. I ended up not getting Trolls World Tour on VOD because when I thought about it, and even though it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So let's let's assume just take me for an example as a consumer. I was going to take my son to see trolls in the movies, obviously I couldn't. The the movie theaters were closed, but what would, normally would happen was I would take him to the movies, we would pay his ticket, my ticket, concessions, go see the movie. Then within a couple of months or whenever the movie comes out on DVD or Blu-ray, he would indicate whether he wanted it or not and then I would purchase it for him to own because I don't really buy a lot of movies myself anymore even though I'm a movie buff. What I've done in the last probably year or so is I've bought very few films, and actually the only films I've purchased have been Criterion Collection movies of movies that I've loved forever, so older films that I want to have a tangible uh, copy of because a lot of these films are not going to be streamed sometimes, or if they are, they kind of come and go based on licensing. So those are the movies that I've purchased, and I've only probably done three of those in the last year. So I I don't buy DVDs at all anymore. The only person actually in our home that ends up with with tangible DVDs is my son. And we buy kids' movies. So basically, they would have gotten my money twice. They would have gotten it in the theater, and then they would have gotten it on DVD. But I didn't get the VOD to watch Trolls. Uh, I was fortunate we were able to go to a drive-in to watch Trolls World Tour. Uh, Florida had one of the drive-ins in the United States that was still open, so we were able to enjoy the movie on a drive-in. While still practicing social distancing and keeping it safe. So that was fantastic. But the point is, if I didn't end up buying it, because I'm like, well, then I'm just gonna have to buy it again for the same price. So it's one thing if I was renting it for six dollars and then I bought it later for 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 twenty or twenty-five, whatever it is, with the digital copy, but I would have had to pay twenty to see it once. And then pay another 20 to 30 to get it again. So I think with the concessions and everything in the traditional way I would have done it, it probably is a wash as far as what I'm putting out money-wise. But I guess in my head, I just thought it was not worth it to me, which I know is not logical when I think about the money and the amount of money that I would have spent. But again, I think a lot of people just make that quick snap decision about what they're going to do on video on demand. And what Kevin Smith was saying, which I agree with, is when you release something that big on video on demand – you lose the theatrical experience. So you've lost that money that would have been made in the theater. So you, you kind of lose that second bite of the Apple and not all movies can sustain that type of model. So I think there's some some truth to that. I don't know if that ends up it's going to end up bearing out of Universal continues on this path. But I do think uh, there is a potential that they may lose a stream of revenue that they can never get back. So once they decide they're going to stream it, that's that's the box office numbers or the box office monies that would have been made had it been released to the theater in the traditional way that that money's gone and you're making the assumption that every single movie that you release or every movie that you choose to release on video on demand is gonna is gonna make a a good amount of money now like i said i think what i think is going to happen is some kind of hybrid of what they're saying so i think what universal is saying and they did say it in their statement and I'll get to Regal Cinemas cuz they jumped in too. I think what Universal did say was this isn't going to be every single movie. They're going to pick and choose. So obviously any huge Universal franchise picture, I don't think they were going to really were ever planning on releasing on video on demand in conjunction with theater at the same time. I could be wrong. I think they're literally going to take this case by case because I think it doesn't work for every single movie. I think they're going to look for opportunities on movies where the box office returns may be questionable. So now to go back to Disney, Disney Plus is releasing the film Artemis Fowl direct to Disney Plus. Now that was going to be a theatrical release, but I think, and I don't know much about that film, but I think from what I've read, I think the box office projections of that particular film, and I don't know if it's based on screenings or if the movie is not as good as they thought it was going to be or it's not testing well i have no idea that data but i suspect that as disney was reviewing this decision i think they felt that it was a riskier proposition to maybe release this into theaters with the money you have to put behind it for marketing and a better space for that particular film was streaming it directly on disney plus so that's where i think this may end up going it's going to be strategically thought out because at the end of the day I do still believe that even Universal who's been aggressive about talking about this doesn't doesn't want to lose that box office bite of the apple as far as monetary returns because a movie any huge movie that they would release any tent pole picture any franchise picture that we would release I think they still want it to hit the theaters because you've got movies that'll make you know 100 million, 200 million, 300 million dollars in the theaters and then you still get the second bite of it when it gets released onto uh, Blu-ray, DVD, digital, and renting, and however people get the movie the second time around. So you get two bites at that apple. So I do think they want to keep that as much as they can, but they're not ignoring the fact that, hey, you know what? Certain movies that we've put millions and millions of dollars into, if we can keep most of the money or keep almost all of the money by just streaming and skipping the theaters, maybe for some of those pictures, that would be viable. Now, Regal Cinemas jumped in as well. I first had thought that they were are going to ban all Universal Films like AMC did. So AMC, I'm sorry I didn't mention it, AMC basically announced we will no longer be playing any Universal Films at our theaters because they're not respecting the window. So that's where the the battle lines have kind of been drawn. So AMC said we will not play any Universal Films. Now, I don't know how viable that's going to be once the theaters reopen because that's going to be some huge movies missing from the one of the I think the largest theater chain in the United States, and I think this is kind of a game of chicken almost. So I think they're making this announcement now to, to 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 throw that shot across the bow of Universal Studios to say, look, we are not playing your movies if you do not respect the window between theatrical and home release. Period. We're drawing a line in the sand. Now, are they really going to do that when the Fast and Furious is about to come out? Uh, will they stand behind that? So I don't know. I still suspect at some point once the pandemic is over and we get to a point where theaters are open to to some semblance of normalcy, I do think that this is going to be something that's revisited. I kind of liken this to the situation with uh, Spider-Man potentially leaving the Marvel Cinematic Universe where for a couple of months uh, Sony pulled out and there was going to be no more Spider-Man in the Marvel movies and everybody collectively was having a cow about it. And then Of course, they came to an agreement a couple of months later when Cooler had prevailed. And I think they prevailed because they both realized that these are one of these deals that's beneficial to both parties. Sony gets to keep Spider-Man relevant and in quality movies. And for Disney's aspect, they get the use of the character that's owned by Sony for any kind of theatrical release. So it's a win-win for everybody. So I think, I suspect that at some point, Universal Pictures and AMC will come to some kind of agreement that's mutually beneficial because as it is now, it's mutually beneficial to play these movies in theaters. Now, Regal stepped in as well, and I thought that they were going to ban all Universal Pictures as well. But theirs was a little more uh, muted. Now, they said, basically, if a movie is not going to respect the window, then they're not going to play that particular movie. So I think a uh, Regal's stance is if you release a movie, let's just say Fast and Furious, and it's going to be the traditional theater's then six-month break, then home release, then they'll play the movie. But if you're planning on Universal Pictures releasing film, whatever film it is, day and date, same day theater, same day home, that they're not going to show it. So I think Regal's position, while still stringent, is not as as hardcore as AMC's position. But nevertheless, you have two of the biggest change uh, movie chains in the United States basically making the same threat, one a little less than the other, that they're not going to play those movies. So again, I think similar to the AMC situation, I think Regal at some point, once we see what happens when theaters reopen and what Universal is actually going to do, we'll see if that ends up coming to pass. I'm still a little skeptical that it will. uh, But again, that doesn't mean I don't take their threat seriously because the theater owners, I think, see this VOD as an existential threat to their business model. And obviously with the effect of the shutdown on their businesses now. This is not this is not like a lot of businesses not a business that can afford to lose any kind of market share uh to stay relevant and to stay afloat. So, we will see what happens. I think going forward in the future this is going to be a continued battle. So, I think with the rise of streaming services for television, for TV series, for films, you know, with the rise of Netflix and Hulu and Apple Plus and Disney Plus or Apple TV, excuse me, I think it's called Apple TV, Disney Plus, and uh, coming soon is going to be the Peacock Network, the NBC streaming service, and then you have CBS All Access. So we're definitely in the middle of streaming wars where there's some actually good and bad about it, as you can see now, where all the money that can be made, the, the streaming services are becoming so numbered out there that basically you have to look at your own home budget because you end up spending... More money than you would have spent just on cable, which was the original reason for people to quote unquote cut the cord, is because they were saving money. So I think that's becoming a tenuous proposition. So I think it's going to be a battle of streaming services, and people are going to make decisions uh, based on what they use the most. But what I do like about it, even though the price points are jumping on there, it's kind of almost what I've always wanted anyway, as far as a la carte services. So as a consumer, I get to decide what streaming services are right for what I want. Uh, Do I keep Netflix or get rid of it? Do I uh, keep Hulu live or get rid of it? Do I keep YouTube Red or get rid of it? I can pick and choose, go back and forth and and tailor what I need, what I'm willing to pay based on what content they are providing me. So whatever's the most entertaining, if it happens to be uh, YouTube, then maybe I'll go there. If it happens to be Disney Plus or Netflix, I'll go there. If it happens to be Apple, I'll go there. So the options with cutting the cord are great. You know, pre-internet, it was basically you were stuck with your cable company, and that was the only cable company in town, the only game in town, and you had no other choice. So I do think while the economics of it are kind of tilting back in favor of the companies instead of the consumer, I don't love that. But at least if I'm going to be paying premium prices for some premium services, at least it's easy for me to pick and choose exactly what I want. So I'm very happy about that. So again, I do think this is going to be an ongoing debate. Uh, Is there going to be a paradigm shift with Trolls World Tour? We'll see. Uh, Another side aspect, I just read a story the other day. So the voice talent specifically, according to the story, Timberlake and Anna Kendrick are now asking for... A bump, so a kickback bonus for theatrical release, even though it wasn't released theatrically, because obviously I'm sure their representation saw the success and revenue of Trolls World Tour on VOD, and they want they want a little taste, and I don't blame them. So I think this is going to be a complicated situation as far as as video on demand. Again, my overall take on this and my my feeling on it is I do think it's going to be not as big a deal as AMC is making it out of, because I do think Universal is going to pick and choose, and be very targeted on the types of movies or the, the movies that they choose to release both in theaters and in home video. So my my I suspect that the movies that they end up picking to do this with are going to be movies that AMC would normally not be that concerned about. And I think maybe they will back down a little bit in the sense that if they feel that universal is going to continue to release their blockbuster movies the traditional way so if they see i think they're going to want to wait and they're going to take a wait and see approach even though they made the announcement that they're banning all the movies and even if they ban it at the beginning i think if they see a pattern of universal releasing the blockbuster temple pictures in the traditional way i think they're going to back down a little bit and be more okay with maybe a smaller film or a riskier film being released both in theaters and on vod That's where I think it's going to end up landing because I do think at the end of the day, that's what makes sense for both parties and both parties can benefit from that particular business model. So that's where I think it's going to end up landing. But you never know. The theater owners are terrified of of losing market share. And I understand that Universal sees another revenue stream during a pandemic where they're not getting anything from movie theaters. I get that, too. This is a situation where I can actually see both sides of the story and I can see how both sides have a point And and what they're doing as a movie fan, selfishly, uh, I want theaters to always be here. I don't want them to be something that's rare or extinct or a place where you can only see big budget movies. I do love big budget movies, but I love to see smaller, riskier movies, dramas, things that you don't see a lot. I've mentioned this on other podcasts where I do think that's kind of a lost uh, uh, art where you don't get to see those kind of movies in theaters unless you go to an art house theater or an alternative theater. So that's why, you know, filmmakers like Christopher Nolan Quentin Tarantino, J.J. Abrams, just people that make films that have the ability to make these big films to get people out to the theater, especially more specifically uh, Tarantino and Christopher Nolan, uh, who make big budget personal films. So you don't get that combination very often. And even though once upon a time in Hollywood, I gave a decent review to not great. I thought it was a good movie, not a great movie, a lot of great things about it. I appreciate, and as I stated in that review, I appreciate films like that in the marketplace that people can go out to see adult-themed R-rated films that are not a sequel or a franchise movie because I think there is uh, there is a place for those. There always need to, needs to be a place for those kind of movies. Again, I love Transformers movies. I love uh, big Marvel films. You know, I love those type of movies, but I also love the smaller art house, dramatic, whether it's drama, comedy, Offbeat movies that that those theaters help to find an audience. So I definitely uh, think that the theaters are an important part. And unfortunately, I don't get to go anymore as much as I want to uh, because I have uh, two small children, so it keeps me busy and I work. Uh, so I don't go as, to the movies as much as I I have in the past. But I definitely still want them around because I still do get to go occasionally and I still enjoy sitting in a theater in the dark eating my popcorn and watching a movie, that's, that's an experience that I will always love. And it would be a, a, a shame if that experience was uh, gone or hard to find because of the current configuration of how we view content. So hopefully uh, they can get to some kind of agreement there. So again, we'll see what happens. I think it's going to come somewhere down in the middle where it's going to be more day and day releases on certain types of films while the Big Ten pole movies end up still uh, getting that big release in the theaters and then going to video after four or five months. Thank you for listening to the show. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting app, please take a moment to rate and review. This is a quick and easy way you can help the show attain a higher profile in searches when people are seeking out new podcasts. Another way you can help raise the profile of the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard or you think a friend might like it, is to share the episode on your social media. This is another easy way to help the show reach a wider audience. The show is available on the following podcasting apps. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. Episodes can also be downloaded directly from the website at www.letmebendyourear.com. If you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to the show, and I hope everyone has a great week.